This is Via Con Munoz with Natalia Munoz on 96.9 WHMP. Hi, Larry. Good morning, Natalia. How are you doing? I'm okay. How are you? I'm fine. Thank you. Larry, you know, with given everything that's been going on politically, it occurred to me the other day, why do why do movies matter? And then also, you know, with the 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 mistake that happened at the Oscars, which I thought was overblown. People make mistakes all the time. Well, it, it, it did say one thing to me, that when you have highly skilled, professional, talented people who know how to put on a show and they still screw up, what does that say about our nuclear program? <laughs> Good point. You know, they tell everybody there's a billion people watching. I actually uh, read an article that uh, broke that down and said, well, if you think about the number of televisions in the United States, the number of people watching, and the ratings are down for the academies, and the people around the world who might be interested, it might come to about 30 or 40 million people. <laughs> That's hardly a billion. So nobody saw the mistake anyway. It doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> yet, yet serious, serious news media, the next day, there were several articles on this whole Oscar flub. Which didn't, you know, to quote a movie, didn't amount to, to a hill of beans, except for obviously the people involved. But what what happened as a consequence of that, I thought, why does it even matter? And I spoke with someone, a Ariadna Goenaga, who we had a conversation about this in Spanish, and that's why I would love to have a conversation with you in English, since we now on Vallejo Munoz mm. have parts in Spanish and parts in English. Okay, podemos hablar en español si tú quieres. Ah, bueno, vamos, vamos. <laughs> vamos a charlar. <laughs> um, and, what, and what she said when I asked her, you know, what does it matter? You know, mm. Trump is in the White House. It, it's, it's just awful. Everything is awful. Mm. We're, we've entered a time of fascism. And she said, well, movies matter. Absolutely. And I, I want to get your take on that. Why do movies matter? Well, first we have to start with what were movies for in the first place? Uh, you know, after the invention by Edison and the Lumiere brothers pioneered the first mini feature films, uh, they became an escape. And we had Nickelodeons and then we had the big theater palaces. And everybody would always say, we want to escape. And you would go on Saturday afternoon, you go to a double feature or a triple feature. I certainly went 35 cents when I was a kid. And the idea of movies as escape has continued. And why do we rent movies? We watch them at home now. It's people, uh, it's biding time. You're bored, you want to watch a movie. So the idea that films can be influential and mean something and change society is in a way counterintuitive. Uh, I uh, read a really sad article by Michael Moore after a series of his big films. Now, you know, Michael Moore, uh, when he first came out with uh, Bowling for Columbine and um, what was the first one about oh, Roger and Me? Mm -hmm. It was Fahrenheit 9-11. He was interviewed uh, in a national publication which the Valley Advocate reprinted and he said that he was incredibly depressed that he had made these big films they had were the biggest box office hits in documentary history and yet nothing had changed and I've been depressed ever since reading that article I've been depressed about a lot of things but <laughs> that article depressed me yet I went back and thought well what kind of films have been made that do change things because films are often propaganda even Hollywood films, maybe especially Hollywood films, and there's a long list of them. And let's just talk about some groundbreaking films you might remember. Guess Who's Coming to Dinner? Right. Okay, with Sidney Poitier. And did this change anything? Did it change any minds about whether interracial, interracial marriages are acceptable? Or did it just reflect what is already happening in society? Uh, the uh, films by Wiseman, for example. 
Uh, the his, documentary films by Wiseman makes yeah. these long cinema verite films and Titicot Follies about Bridgewater State Hospital in Massachusetts. In the 70s when this film came out, in order to see it, you had to sign a piece of paper. I did this at the old Globe, then Pleasant Street Theater, uh, where you had to sign a piece of paper saying that you were a student of psychology so that you could watch this film, right? It was basically censored. Well, it was very harsh what was in it. No? It was very harsh about uh, the conditions in the state hospital, state mental facility. Well, just this year, there have been accusations of the same problems at Bridgewater, 40 45 years later. Okay, so did this film change anything? You know, I went into filmmaking because I thought it would be a more effective way to affect change than the law career that I had. And the film that inspired me was locally made here, although I was in Oregon at the time, it was called Lovejoy's Nuclear War. Sam Lovejoy was an activist, and he knocked down a weather tower for a proposed nuclear power plant in Montague. And that started a movement. And this film was about the beginnings of that movement. And I saw this film in an audience of a couple of hundred activists, anti-nuclear activists in Portland, Oregon. And after seeing the film, they went out in the streets and rallied right then and there, handing out brochures and petitions. And it jump-started an anti-nuclear movement in Portland, Oregon. And that reminds me, um, so did the China Syndrome, which was a Hollywood movie. Right. Well, China Syndrome was a reaction to the nuclear uh, the anti-nuclear movement, uh, and then Three Mile Island happened around the same time. So it all came together. So maybe the answer is that you, it's not just one thing, one movie alone. Movies either reflect what's going on, or maybe they push a movement a little further along. But I don't think just one, just a movie can actually change society. It's more a reflection of society. It's, it sounds like some documentaries, well, as you know, some documentaries actually do change the outcome. A, of a situation such as the thin uh, blue line. The thin blue line, right. Well, I think the one that people uh, talk about more is uh, the one about climate change, uh, an inconvenient truth. Now, did he start concerned about cl climate change? No, but it was a, an influential, famous person who made a really good PowerPoint film. <laughs> That's Al Gore. <laughs> Vice um, President Al Gore. I don't know if you remember, remember the film. You know, he does a lot of exciting things with, he stands on a crane, <laughs> and the crane raises him up, and he, and he uses a, a laser pointer. You know, it's, <laughs> it's, it's not the most creative filmmaking, but it got, brought a lot of uh, attention to it. Okay, so has anything changed? The result is, how many years later, we have a Republican government that denies the existence of climate change at, at climate change at the highest echelons. So you can get very depressed about this, but I think maybe what the, better, the more optimistic way to look at it is, is that these films often influence people to become activists. And, it, and change takes a really long time. And perhaps it also talks people out of traditional corporate careers into doing something more creative and more productive on a day-to-day -day basis with their lives. I went to see I Am Not Your Negro mm -hmm. uh, about James Baldwin's uh, what, a work that he had begun on uh, biographies of Malcolm X, Martin Luther King, and Medgar Evers. Right. I went on your recommendation, and, and for the most part, I, I, I thought it was, it's an important documentary. It's, it should be, everyone should see it. And I also thought, Wow, nothing has changed. James Baldwin could be alive today and say Saying everything. exactly the same things, yeah. yeah. Although, look at the, um, the series Eyes on the Prize. Mm -hmm. 
which was made now 30 years ago or, or more. And it was originally a six-part series, and then it was a, a second series done. And this was a great, not only work of art, it was an historical record of the civil rights movement. It's so important that when they wanted to rebroadcast it on PBS, they had to obtain a $500,000 grant to research and pay for the renewal of the rights because they thought it was so important to get this back on, on television again. Now, did it change anything in the terms of our civil rights? No, it told us what happened with the civil rights, but it's an important record. So I think, you know, if you were to do a study and look at how people put them in a laboratory and put electrodes on their heads when they're watching a documentary film and see how they reacted to it, maybe you would see they get really excited like you would watch with any, any other type of film. But you really have to do a much longer-term study to see what, how it affected their lives in the long run. And I can say for myself that I have been affected by many films I've seen, that I've decided to do something or be more active in it. Uh, the films that were in the Academy Award-nominated categories this year in the documentary, well, four of them are about the refugee crisis, and one of them, 4.1 Miles, the maker of, of that film, writes about how it made her think about what is our collective responsibility for refugees. And you see this happening in Northampton. Why do we have circles of care? Why are, we, why are there more people probably than we need uh, to help take care of refugee families if they ever get here? Right, if, they, if they're allowed to enter. That's what the circles of care were put together for. And I think there are more than 1,000 volunteers now who are part of circles of care. Well, actually, what I've learned going to one of the trainings is that we need that depth. Because you don't know what time of day somebody's going to need help. And so if you have 10 or 20 people available per day and you multiply that out over the week, that might be 100 people that you need every week to do it. And people are not going to be available every week. So maybe, maybe we don't have more people than we need. I would like to see the entire community, community involved with this. The, the, the Holly, well, it's not a Hollywood movie, but the, the, the fiction movie, uh, Moonlight, mm-hmm. which won for Best Picture, which... Um, in the Spanish version of this conversation, which is, which is different. Mm-hmm. We're not doing just an English version. It's not mirroring, but a similar topic. Um, Ariadna says, well, it would have been inconceivable that two years ago that could have even been a rise to the, to, the, to the level where people would pay attention to it, that it would eventually become a right. contender for the Golden Globe, which it won. And then for the Oscars. Well, Oscars not so white now, and it's wonderful that it won. And I'm glad that it won, and, I'm, and, and it, it was sort of interesting to see them come on stage after La La Land. <laughs> and everybody was so gracious. I thought that was that was a triumph, at least for the people on the stage. <laughs> but Moonlight is itself watching Moonlight. Is that going to change anybody's mind the way they feel? Is that going to take a racist and make them more tolerant? No. What it's saying is that society is changing. It's reflecting what's what's happening in society. So I think, it's, I think films are a good record of where we are. You know, if you look at uh, the propaganda films from World War II, uh, particularly Why We Fight by Frank Capra, they're very powerful. Everybody knows that film is propaganda. In fact, okay, so you want to talk about propaganda, look at uh, Lenny Richenstahl and uh, her use of imagery, uh, the Olympic films she did. Uh, these are extraordinarily powerful images that can change the way you feel about a regime. Uh, I'm sure that we are going to be seeing, in fact, what is Bannon famous for? Mm-hmm. Bannon was famous for making movies. That's where he made a lot of his money. And he crafted some of the most right-wing documentaries ever made. 
So I think people make films believe that they will have an influence. I just don't know whether you can measure it in any way. Nonetheless, they matter. They do matter, and they certainly matter in terms of reflection of where we are in society. And I think they inspire people to action, whether that's long-term, whether it makes a difference to society, I don't know. Well, there are two films that I can think of that really did help change things. One of them I made, I'm very proud of, my very first film called The Old Quabbin Valley. And it was about the battle over whether water could be diverted from the Connecticut River into the pristine accidental wilderness of the Quabbin. And the film was very popular and played around the, uh, Massachusetts as well as the rest of the United States. And result of not the film being made, but the activists who used it was legislation was passed to forbid the transfer of water from one water basin to another. So there was an effect there. But I think of a, a more recent film that really had a direct impact was Blackfish. Uh, the film about the treatment of killer whales at SeaWorld, Sealand, those kind of places. And the companies really had to pull back to the point where they've eliminated their killer whale displays. There was such an outcry from that film. So I think there's some specific instances where people see an injustice, and maybe it has to do with nature and animals and not people more. <laughs> the films can have an effect. So I'm going to keep going to the movies. I'm going to go to those movies that call for a big bucket of popcorn and fake butter though it's really great when you can have real butter at the Amherst Cinema, for instance. And I'm also going to go to the movies that you don't want to eat. You just want to watch without moving. You're almost holding your breath. It is just taking over you. It is such a compelling thing. Este, thank you so much, Larry Hart. And now we're going to take a break, and then we're going to come back with Larry Poncho Brown, the artist. <laughs> 